Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. Today, we are here with Biz Ellis. She is the co-host of the phenomenally popular podcast, One Bad Mother, and she is also the author of the book, You're Doing a Great Job, 100 Ways You're Winning at Parenting, and she is exhausted, uh, mother of two children living in Pasadena. We're really excited to bring her onto the podcast today and talk to her about how to find your inner badass as a parent and some ways that maybe you're already doing a lot better job than you might think and that you can cut yourself some slack. And also really interested to talk to her a little bit about her own teenage years and some strategies that her parents used on her. So all that and more is coming up. Biz, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited. I'm excited too. Thank you for having me. All right. I listened recently to an episode that you guys had about teenagers and kind of making predictions about what your kids would be doing when they were teenagers. And it was funny to listen to you guys kind of thinking about your kids listening to these podcasts years from now oh. and like, uh, you know, uh, going back. And it's almost like a record of their lives from your perspective in this like really interesting way. But there's something fun about being able to go back and listen to these like, you know, hundreds of podcast episodes that you guys have created and like this kind of narrative that exists and going back to kind of what started it all, which was this t-shirt. <laughs> and I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about the One Bad Mother t-shirt and what kind of propelled that into existence and was the impetus for this whole thing. Yes. So I had... Been living in Brooklyn, in New York, and I had just had our daughter, Katie Bell, and I definitely, I definitely was having a moment of before and after motherhood moments where I thought I was pretty cool. Then, you know, like I did sketch comedy, I went to clubs, I lived in Brooklyn. You're a single person in New York. But even when I was married, we were cool. You know, we do stuff. (laughs) And uh, and then I had my daughter and I was like, I Uh, am not cool. Uh, In fact, we had gone to go see Stephen Colbert and the warm up, the guy who warms up the crowd was like mm. asking people what they did. And they asked my husband first and he had this total answer ready. Uh, for them. And then I had this panic attack, like they're going to ask me and Uh. I don't know what to say because, you know, I'm sort of on maternity leave. I'm, do I say I'm a mom? (laughs) It feels suddenly so uncool to say. And I was really feeling like (laughs) my only options out there were like soccer mom or these sort of, you know, crazy mom labels that didn't feel cool. And so my husband made me a t-shirt that was just black v-neck t-shirt with these like yellow letters going across it that said one bad mother. And I suddenly felt cool (laughs) about being a mom a little bit. It didn't fix all my problems. I've spent the last eight years still not settled 
in like the identity crisis I had. But the t-shirt really helped. And I just kind of thought, well, this makes me feel cool being on a subway with a kid. I feel like nothing else out there about parenting does that. So how, how do I make something that makes parents still feel cool about being a who they are? So anyway, that the t-shirt sort of stemmed the whole idea. So I love that so much. And I read through your book, which is like hilarious and it's such a blast to read. And there's one thing in here on page 84 that really hit me and felt like it summed up that same thing as what you were talking about with the t-shirt. And it says, can we stop talking about trying to get back to our quote (laughs) old selves? There's nothing like pining for our pre-kid bodies, pre-kid social lives, or pre-kid creativity to make us feel depressed about parenthood. Think about it. Why would you want to go back to the person you were before? You've been there before. You're past that now. All that stuff from before, that's part of you. That's in you. Only now, thanks to your children, you're better, wiser, and tougher. You're amazing. Let's move forward. That was my favorite piece from the book for, for some reason. And it's something that I have been thinking about for a while. This idea that parents need to like find their inner badass a little bit. Yeah. And and especially because what we deal with here is teenagers and I'm a researcher. So I come at all this from like a scientific perspective <laughs> and I'm struggling with like, how do I put this into words? But a lot of the parents that I work with, it's like, well, what I want to tell you is that you need to just be a little more of a badass. And I didn't quite have the words for it until I found your podcast and your book. So I was wondering if we could talk about that yeah, uh, a little no, more. I, I kind of want to jump right in and say, I, I hear... You say, you know, like when you're dealing with teens, you know, to find your inner badass. But I think what I struggle with is by the time my kids are going to be teenagers, which with my oldest is not too far off, I feel so. Yeah, she's eight now? Yeah, she's eight. I feel so beaten down (laughs) by all the like baby and toddler and sort of preschool and elementary years are all about. We were just talking on the show about like, you want to give your kids independence, but there's a stage where they just developmentally don't understand independence. And then by the time you're ready to start letting them do the independence, you want them to do it. You're so like habitually trained to say, put on a coat for God's sakes. You know, (laughs) I don't understand how by the time you have teenagers, I could still feel cool because I would just be like, I'm so tired. Are they sleeping? I'm so happy they're sleeping. I'm so tired. I feel like I've spent the last, you know, X amount of years trying to let them be independent while at the same time help them figure out how not to be uncomfortable in the world. That's a lot. I don't, <laughs> how's it working out for you? That's a lot for me to think about. But you know, isn't that life biz that oh. every phase is yes. has you feeling like you just just had it figured out a second ago and yeah. now this new wrench just got thrown in and ah oh, god darn it. And I feel like that kind of is parenting and especially kind of teenage years here. So I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, sometimes something external can really change how we feel internally, you know? And yes. I just love this image of you like finding this this t-shirt that then solidified this kind of identity for you or something or like made it okay to be a mom and to be kind of like your own version of it. There's another thing in your book that was a cool idea about being you. I think it's just such a healthy message that finding your inner badass needs to come from a place of empowerment and confidence. And so one of the things that you guys do like consistently on the podcast and all throughout the book is like, you know, recognize when parents are doing a great job and kind of give them props about, you know, those like day-to-day things that we do every day. You had a great idea in your book about, hey, instead of making a to-do list today, make a did-it list. Yeah. 
Yeah, then we're wondering at the end of the day why we're so tired and why we didn't get yeah. anything done. And it's like, well, you did a million other things that we just take for granted as not countable, as not worthy of being counted when like remembering uh, the, to get the groceries, remembering the all the appointments, remember getting your kids to all the events they've got to get to. Oh, yeah. There's like, I mean, <laughs> but we don't put that on the to-do list that we're remembering all those things and that we're balancing all those things. And then we beat ourselves up for, you know, not calling the cable company or not making that doctor's appointment for ourselves yeah. when instead we should be like, oh man, nailed it. I nailed like all this stuff today. And eventually <laughs> I'll go get a health check for myself. <laughs> right. Cause like if you have a to-do list and then stuff comes up during the day, then yeah. there's like a, there's an aspect of it feeling like you failed to get the stuff done. We just don't put most of it on the list. That's just it. Yeah. The things that make it to the list are sort of the, like really the C-level things that have to get done because everything uh, else we're just doing so much of, we right. just don't write it down. Like I, Because we're not like not going to feed right. our kids. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't have to write that down. Yeah. I got that. Somebody's like, going to pick them up. <laughs> right. Check. Yep. In fact, you are so competent at yeah. these things that you don't even have to write it That's down. That's right. That is, you have graduated from the to-do list. That's why I feel like Teresa and I are constantly <laughs> saying people should just be high-fiving each other in Target or on the – like wherever all the time. Like I'll watch – I'll be in the car and I'll mm -hmm. see like a parent with a kid and all the groceries and I just think – I don't know why, but to me that image is always <laughs> like that was the hardest thing that person had to do today. Good job. You got all the You go, mom. And you yeah. did it with somebody with you and like you did it and it's not what you wanted to do at all today. Good job. You know, like no one's going to the cocktail parties or, you know, hanging out with their friends and saying, you know what I did today? I went to the store and I, I got everything on my list. I didn't forget everything. <laughs> and I, I actually had my wallet with me. That was a big plus. I didn't accidentally steal it. something because I forgot it was in the bottom of the car. Like <laughs> that whole list, everybody would be like, you're the worst. Why are you talking about this? <laughs> right. My kid did not throw a tantrum yeah. in any of the aisles. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. But when I think about teens, I do have this hilarious image of teens. And I know mine are going to be like the worst. The, everybody can go back and listen to this later and be like, yeah, you like the idea of the sullen teen slamming a door in your face <laughs> and calling you the worst? You think that's going to be a lot of fun? But like, yeah, it's the same thing where I was like, I'm going to love newborns. I hated newborns. <laughs> Be. Oh, really? Oh, I, I was not a good, I mean, I was fine. Everybody's alive and, you know, love my children and stuff. But, like, uh, I I didn't naturally take to newborns and to little babies. I'm better with slightly older kids. Everybody's got their thing, I think. But that's just it, is that the pressure is you're supposed to, like, enjoy all the parts of it. And that just, I just think that's one of the biggest myths that we have to deal with is that, like, I, I think you can... Be happy with your choices about having a kid in your house and at the same time not like it all the time and that they can exist at the same time. And I, th I think that's sort of the heart of what we try and get at at the show is that you get to be both. You get to like it and not like it at the same time. And, and, and it's okay. Yeah. That is what it is. And it's like that you don't feel like apologetic about yeah. anything, right? Or like because – 
you're doing the best you can and you don't need to feel bad right like uh there's so many ways that parents like just beat themselves up i think we do how many times have you started a conversation i love my kids but or ah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. where it's like of course you love your kids we should we just shouldn't even have to like apologize like we make a huge list of things before we talk about what's bothering us like i'm so tired or you know what i haven't gotten enough sleep but the assumption should uh, be everybody's doing their best and loves their kids and didn't marry a jerk and you know we're we're all trying our best now it's okay to also say you're not having a good time with assuming that you're a monster and one of the things we talk about is just how easy it is to feel like somebody's doing it at you if they're if they're doing really well at something that somehow it's a reflection that you're not doing a good job or if they're doing a bad yeah. job that it's a reflection that you are the best and they're a monster and it's <laughs> It's not either of those, right. even though that's a voice that's easy to get stuck in, in your head. And so as listeners, we have to be like, uh, it's okay for you to say that you just want to go out for milk and maybe not come back right now. I know that doesn't mean you're actually going to do it. It's okay. There is a fantastic scene in the movie Bridesmaids <laughs> where she goes to a party at her arch rival's house and yeah. she just like wants to hate the whole thing. Yeah. And she like pulls up, you know, and oh, these cute little things that she's got set up. And yeah. okay, fine, I'll have some lemonade. And then like takes a sip of the lemonade and then she's just like, oh, that is so good. Like, <laughs> there's this like, there's this like just look on her face like I just hate you so much and love you at the same time because yeah. like, wow, that's just incredible lemonade. It really is what it made me think about when I read this part of your book about doing it at you. And yeah. it's like, you know, she didn't throw this big party like because she hates you, right? Yeah. It's like to be nice to the girl who's getting married. Like uh, we just like see, make everything about us and it's hard not to, but we do, right? We yeah. feel like the delicious cake that we ate at the party yeah. – that the mom baked herself that we don't have time to bake a cake ourselves. And right. so what – well, you got to do that, lady. Like, yeah, it's just cake. <laughs> cake is delicious. It's just cake. Maybe she enjoys baking cake. Yeah, yeah enjoy, right? enjoy I mean, the cake, guys. It's just cake. <laughs> but it's really hard. Again, you're so tired, man. And like the thing is, is that like parenting can be super isolating. It's really easy to get like wrapped up in the idea that – all the small stuff, all your day-to-day -day stuff can feel like really big and we're all struggling with stuff. And so when you then go on a Facebook or yeah. go out in the world, it's really easy for the guilt to be triggered or to feel judged or to be judgy. Or I mean, That's just like, I think it's like a really natural thing that we do. So we shouldn't beat ourselves up about that either. But we also yeah. should have that extra voice that says, it's just cake. It's okay. And like whatever that applies to, apply it. Because, I mean, you know, we just can't beat ourselves up for those very natural feelings. And we also have to try and be mindful that those feelings probably aren't real. And it never stops. Kids are just always no. there, aren't they? <laughs> and, you know, we can just remind ourselves, hey, I, I look really good on Instagram, yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can curate your life however you want out in the world, guys. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about social media brings up this topic that I am really interested in. I mean, we kind of just like touched on it a second ago, but I just had my first memoirist on the podcast recently, and 
it was really, he's a father. It was really interesting to talk to him about the process of making his family life public knowledge in this book. And because it's like, there's really personal stuff in there about his struggles with his marriage and his kids and drugs and vandalism and all this stuff that they get kind of wrapped up in. And I hadn't really thought about it before I talked to him about it, but this conversation that he had to have with his family and, you know, going through drafts of the manuscript. And it makes me wonder about, you know, this podcast that you guys do. A lot of times you talk about very, you know, personal things from within your family. And you guys have a kind of cheeky little like intro to the podcast that kind of like is a disclaimer a little bit. I, I, I was interested just like if there's other conversations that you've had with your family or what else you've done to sort of like address that? You know, I think early on, we had the initial conversation, Teresa, my co-host and I, about do we change our kids' names? And at the time, we both just had one kid. And Teresa's husband, you know, had been doing a podcast and, you know, a show for years and had already said their child's name. So it it felt like you couldn't just Uh, suddenly go on and be like, but now we're talking. I mean, like, (laughs) <laughs> stuff was already out there before we started our show yeah. and so at the though it was so funny we were hanging out uh last week we had we were in chicago having done a live show and we started talking about it again and literally couldn't remember why we had made that choice and then we had to kind of walk through it and go oh yeah because as the kids get older and as issues change for each of us uh, we do start to think, you know, how long do we want to do this? When is there stuff we just don't want to talk about? And and I think we've always tried to keep the show about how we as the parents are wrestling with sort of the emotional effects and the identity effects of having kids, uh, you know. So, for example, if we're talking about something like whining or if we talk about us yelling, we just did one about yelling or- <laughs> I love or, that episode. Yeah. All right. We also, you know, we've done, you know, all these sorts of conversations, even though we're going to briefly talk about sort of what our kids are doing so that you that know what's happening in our right, house. Right. It's really about us and why is this bothering us? Most of the time, the answer is there's actually nothing wrong with our kids. It's all us. <laughs> like, sure. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like most of the time, that's the answer. And we've shared stuff about ourselves that I am like, huh, I'm fine with that. I wonder if my kids <laughs> will be fine with that later. And then in terms of our partners, you know, to speak for myself, my husband, Stefan, usually if it's going to involve him, I'll check with him first before we go on. There are a few things I've taken out post-recording where I'm like, you know what, I can still have the conversation without saying X, Y, or Z, like I said in the in the show, I can take that out. Oh, I see. Yeah, it doesn't lose the like whatever I was trying to get across. Right. If, if, I, I if my main thing is, of... for example, we did a show on like resentment, partner resentment, right? Like how easy it is for that resentment to build up, and you have to remind yourself that you didn't marry a jerk, and they didn't <laughs> marry a jerk either, which is really actually very hard to remember sometimes. I was able to have that conversation without saying. Yeah, like we have, we actually have a big thing about not wanting to beat our partners up. There are plenty of places on the internet and out in the world for you to be like, uh, my partner, you know, is the biggest man baby or what? I cannot stand yeah, man baby. Yeah, I cannot yeah, stand okay. it because you know what? Most of the time people are doing the best they can too. And like I said, you didn't marry a jerk for the most part. Some people did. <laughs> for the most part. Sure. Maybe right, you didn't. Right. That's our, our thing. 
I can get away with the conversation without also being cruel to my partner. So that sort of thing we have to be really mindful of. And again, we, we just try and keep it about ourselves. That said, I don't, I don't know how my kids are going to react to this later. I mean, I hope they see it as sort of a love letter to them. And, you know, I hope one day they think when they would even be remotely interested in listening to it, I hope that they would say, oh, okay, my mom really loved me and that's what I hope. You know, who knows? Maybe right. they'll be like, screw you. Why would you do this to me? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We're here talking to Biz Ellis, host of the One Bad Mother podcast and author of You're Doing a Great Job. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. So that really helps me. Like lots of times if they're having the meltdown or something, I'm able now to really say, okay, everything else that I was trying to do at the same time when this meltdown started, I'm going to actually stop and I'm just going to focus and help my kid through this moment. I think humor is really important in terms of coping. It definitely pulls me back Lots of times, like if I'm headed down like a yelling path, everybody needs to get in the car. Why aren't you? You know, like when I'm heading down that path, I can suddenly switch it just tone wise from the scary mama to, okay, now we're all laughing. Let's say if, you know, a kid is trying to insult her and good news is kids are really bad at it. (laughs) it's, It's really not a very good insult. Katie Bell, how do you feel about that? I mean, did you think, how did it make you feel? You know, maybe that kid needs to go work on his stuff some more. Like we, we kind of, we kind of approach it like that. Maybe we come up with some funny things we can say back to the kid that aren't mean, but are just like sharp and funny. Mm, yeah. Little quips or something. Yeah. Like little quips. The other day she came home and said, you know, she had done one. She had said something that she felt pretty good about it. And it was funny. You know, it was one of these things where these kids were kind of being mean behind her, but at the same time trying to get behind her. So she turned around and was like, what? You got a crush on me or something? And it was, I was like, good job, baby girl. That was pretty good. You know, to which their response is, you're so weird. And I was like, well, we are. And that's okay. That's true. Oh, mama was like, if somebody touches if somebody touches you or hits you, you hit them and you walk right down to the principal's office and you say, call my mama. So-and-so just hit me. I hit them back and she'll be here to help, you know, deal with any punishment uh-huh. you feel necessary. I grew up in the 70s in the South. I mean, people were still paddled back then, so we all had to be prepared. Uh-huh. It's, it's sort of like, you know, when you've got the toddler and you're trying to teach him how to say please and thank you, you got to do it every freaking day over and over again. And it's not going to pay off yeah. till they're like nine. <laughs> it's such a long game. It's such a long game before you really see it it's kick an investment. in. investment. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable. And your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.